Hello, welcome to another edition of Love Letters from Jesus. I'm your host, Pastor Ted Bojanic. I am so glad to be with you again as you have taken the time to listen in. I have included a sermon with this podcast again for you to take the time and listen to, whether you listen to right afterwards or um, at another time. The sermon that I've included is from Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7, uh, with the theme of Behold the Servant of the Lord. And it is a really unique portion of Scripture uh, where Jesus is speaking to us in Isaiah. And I hope you take the time to listen to that, if not right away after this podcast, but um, sometime, again, that's Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7. And that's the sermon that I've included. We're going to talk about skeptical people today. People who are skeptical don't believe everything that they hear. People who are skeptical are not easily convinced. They want proof. They're skeptical about many things, perhaps, in their life. Because maybe they've been lied to in many cases about so many things. So they're super careful. And who could blame them? But when it comes to salvation, eternal salvation, sometimes they could be too careful. They maybe have stumbled in their life into false churches with false beliefs, false churches with false beliefs, even churches that have worshipped false gods. And they come to the conclusion that those churches with their teachings and their false gods did absolutely nothing for them. And why would they? Because they're fake. Fake religion with fake gods. And they didn't lead them to the truth. And they left them cold and unloved and unhelped. And they were lied to. Nobody likes to be lied to. So they give up on trusting pastors. They give up on trusting church people. They give up on trusting on trusting God. But in many cases, they haven't been directed to the truth about God. They haven't really studied the truth from the Bible. So those who have the truth from the Bible need to carefully, patiently share it with them. It's nothing that should be pushed on anyone. It needs to be taught 
patiently. It needs to be taught, in many cases, slowly. So that those who are skeptical can take their time to listen. Because who's at work through that word of God? The Holy Spirit is. It is not our job to argue religion. It is not our job to argue faith. It is not our job to make anybody believe. In fact, that's the very thing we cannot do. We are teachers of the word. We are proclaimers of a holy message revealed by Jesus Christ. We can't make anybody believe it. That's what God the Holy Spirit does. And he works through the teaching of his word. He works through the pastor's preaching of that word. And you have to trust that the Holy Spirit will do his work. And he will work sometimes quickly, sometimes very slowly. But he works at the speed that he chooses to work. But he works in people's hearts. He works in an unseen fashion, and he works through God's means of grace. And the means of grace are the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and sacrament. The gospel of Jesus Christ in word and sacrament. And the sacraments are Holy Communion and Holy Baptism. And both of them receive their power from the Word. So, we preach the Word, we teach the Word, and the women in our congregations, they teach the Word to other women, they teach the Word to children, to teenagers, so that God is glorified in all this work and the gospel is proclaimed. The gospel is taught. And the Holy Spirit is working through the efforts of every one of us who respond to his calling. And there are lots of skeptical people out there who have had a church experience that didn't go well, who have had a church experience that was with the wrong church or with a false church. And there are lots of false churches in this world that do not teach the right thing, that do not teach from the Bible. Or they teach from the Bible, but they change the message of the Bible. Therefore, they take what is true, and really they're making it false. There are a lot of those kind of churches. But you and I, 
listening to this, need to be obligated to the truth of what the Bible says. And that means we're not going to change it. We're not going to subtract from it. We're not going to add to it. We're going to take it for what it is because that's what God says. And God does not give us permission to add to it. And God does not give us permission to subtract from it. So when you say, thus says the Lord, or in plain English, this is what God says, then we need to be accurate and make sure we have said what God says. And we can go to bed at night knowing that we have said what God says. Because God's going to work through that word. God is going to work through that word. We are messengers. And God works through the message, his message. We are somebody else's messenger. We take Christ's message and we share it. We are not our own messenger. We don't invent the message. We are somebody else's messenger. We are Christ's messenger. So we share the, his message. John the Baptist preached about the coming kingdom of God. He called people to repentance. And he called them to go confess their sins, and then come and receive a baptism for the forgiveness of their sins. This was what God the Father led him to do. And he shared the message of Jesus. His message was the same as that which Jesus Christ was preaching. John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus. He knew he was somebody else's messenger. And if you're doing work in the church that belongs to Jesus Christ, then you, brother and sister, you are somebody else's messenger too. Let me share some scripture with you tonight or today, whichever it is for you. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, Jesus calling some of his first disciples. We'll begin with the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth! Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. 
Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, which means teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. All right. So that's verses 43 through 51, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. So Nathaniel, who in the other Gospels is known as Bartholomew, by the way, he was, he was skeptical. He was skeptical. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? He thought of Nazareth as this little backwater town in northern Israel. And he didn't think of any scripture that would connect the Messiah, the Christ, coming from there. But he had Philip and Andrew and Simon, also known as Peter, to help him connect the dots. And you notice they didn't argue with him. They didn't argue scripture with him. They didn't argue religion with him. They simply said, we found Jesus. Come and see. Come and see. And they left room for faith to happen. And that's exactly a good example for us. So we see that Philip did not argue the point. He merely invited his skeptical friend Nathaniel to come and see. As Jesus had invited Andrew and John to come and see, so Nathaniel is invited. And really, there is no other way. We can't argue or force someone into faith in Jesus. We can't make them believe because we want them to believe. We may say to ourselves, oh, I wish this friend at work would believe. And we keep talking to them and talking to them. But sometimes we just need to back off and let the Holy Spirit do his work. Be more gentle and let them think about things, you know. We can only show Jesus as he has revealed himself in his word. We need to put the word of God between us and the individual and let that person see Jesus. Or in Philip's case, he had Jesus in person and he took Nathaniel to go meet him. He had a little advantage over us. But we have the word of God, the word that is Christ, 
So we put the Bible between us and that person, and we say, here, let's meet Jesus right here, right in this book called the Bible. We can only show Jesus as he has revealed himself in his word, and we leave the rest to the Holy Spirit. You see, we try to do the Holy Spirit's work sometimes. We try to force people to believe. We can't make people believe. We really cannot make people believe. It's only going to drive them away. They're going to say, oh, you're so pushy. Don't be pushy. Be gentle. Be inviting. Be kind. And let those invitations be just gentle invitations. It may take a long time for that person that you are occasionally inviting, occasionally talking to. Occasionally you go and you introduce them to Jesus and show them something in your Bible because you care about them. And then one day they're going to say, you know, okay, let's study something. Or maybe, okay, I'll go to church t today. And that will surprise you. But you see, that's the way it works. Leave room for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit only can do. Only He can work in their heart. Only He can bring about the gift of faith in, in Christ. He brings about the gift of faith. He brings an unbeliever and makes them into a believer through the Word. He takes the skepticism away from the skeptic and gives them confidence in, him, in the Word and helps them become a firm believer in Jesus. He can make the change. We can introduce the person to the Word of God, but we can't make them believe. And if we're too pushy, we just drive them away. We don't see Philip being pushy. We see him being inviting. And Nathaniel got to go meet Jesus. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Nathaniel replies, How do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Here we see the omniscience of Jesus, a miracle. Nathaniel was re really impressed with this. Rabbi, teacher, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus tells him, you believe, <clears throat> excuse me, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. <clears throat> you shall see greater things than that. I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He would see great things, wouldn't he? 
So dear friends, let us take the tools that Christ himself has given us. He has given us the gospel in word and sacrament. And let us study that word. And let us make faithful use of that word. And let us share that word with other people. Because they need to hear it. And let us encourage other Christians with that word. Let us teach it and proclaim it as God gives us opportunity and invite people to come see Jesus in our Bible, in our teaching. But let us make sure it is inviting and not being pushy. And be careful with those skeptics that we are trying to encourage. We need to be gentle with them. Let us practice a soft touch so we do not drive them away. Pray that God gives you the gentleness of Jesus. That God gives you the gentleness of Jesus as you work with these individuals so that you can share with them the life-giving gifts, the eternal life-giving gifts that Christ has for them. Because God sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to take away the sins of the world, to keep the law of God perfectly for all of us, because we can't do it. He took our place. He was our substitute. He kept the law of God perfectly for us and that God the Father credits to our account. And then Jesus was whipped for us and nailed to a cross for us. And all our sins died on the cross with Jesus. And we, because of Jesus, are redeemed, forgiven children of God. The blood of Jesus Christ has purified us from every guilty sin, from every guilty stain. And he has set us free to do his will, to share his word, wherever he may lead us to go. But let us have his gentleness as we do this work. To God be the glory. Amen. And thank you for listening. The sermon is next after some music. The Lord be with you and grant you a wonderful week. You have been listening to Love Letters from Jesus.
grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God for our consideration today is from Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, you islands, hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow. He concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand. And my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation to the servant of rulers. Kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. These are God's words. Behold the servant of the Lord. He has become a man. He redeems all nations. When you think back to high school and you're sitting in class and then the PA speaker comes on and you hear the words, excuse the interruption, the principal has an announcement for you and the principal's voice comes on and he's going to tell you something important. Maybe it's about the football team. Maybe it's about the bus schedule. But he has something important to tell you. And he needs everybody in every one of the classes in that high school, whether it's a great big high school or a little high school, he needs every student, every teacher to pay attention to him. That's kind of what's happening here. At the beginning of this text. Listen to me, you islands, hear this, you distant nations. We're being addressed, everyone, everyone who reads this, everyone in the whole world. Who's speaking? Ever think about that? Who's speaking to us in Isaiah 49? It's Jesus. 
Luther will say, from Isaiah 49 to the end of Isaiah, this is Christ. Christ is there throughout Isaiah from 49 on. This is Jesus speaking to us. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. See, others want to say, well, no, this is the heathen uh, King Cyrus. But it doesn't fit Cyrus. But listen to what he's saying. Before I was born, the Lord, Lord in all capitals, Yahweh, the God of free and faithful grace, the God who seeks your good and your salvation, who wants you to be with him in heaven, who has sought your eternal life. Before I was born, the Lord called me. The Lord called him to set him aside for special work. From my birth, he made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. Our Heavenly Father had special work for Jesus to do. He was set aside. He is the Christ, the Messiah, which is the old version, the Old Testament version of Christ. And set aside, anointed for special work. There would be no one like him. He is the one Savior of the world. So, so many times when we are addressed, perhaps by the media, and there is an announcement that we are to hear, so many times it's bad news. Here, Jesus is announcing to us good news. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. The first time a promise of a Savior was mentioned was to our first parents, Adam and Eve. And then later on, through after Genesis, the mentioning of a Messiah, the signs become clearer and clearer and clearer as you read the Old Testament until you get to the angel telling Joseph that he should name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 2, he made my mouth like a sharpened sword in The shadow of his hand, he hid me. And Jesus' mouth speaks both law and gospel. Jesus' mouth speaks the word of God that cuts us to our heart. Jesus' words reveal our sins. Jesus' words cut away the unbelief. Jesus' words cut away our pretense. You can't fool him. He sees through you. There's no pretending with Jesus. 
He knows who we are. He knows what we're up to. He knows our sinful nature. He knows our sinful hearts. And He reveals our sins to us. So we have to admit to them. And confess them. His words are sharp. So that we repent. And then His words... Apply the healing balm of the gospel so that we heal and know that God forgives us all our sins. And he leads us to a new way. He leads us to himself. He leads us to salvation, to the kingdom of God, away from Away from the sins of this world. In this world you see all the people seeking after sin. And then you have the believers in Jesus going against the flow, don't you? Because they're following Jesus. And Jesus is something very different. It's very different. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. That means God the Father did not reveal Jesus to the world until it was time. And then when it was time, the stars in the heavens and the angels sang. And Christ was revealed to the world, to humble shepherds. Who were overwhelmed, yet they obeyed and went to seek him and to tell that the Savior of the world had come. He made me a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. We know what arrows are. You shoot them, they kill. God shoots his arrow. at injustice, at sin. Christ came to redeem us from sin, to take away injustice, to bring us to the kingdom of his heavenly Father. God the Father said to his Son, You are my servant. And he calls him Israel. See, this is where we might get confused. And we say, well, why is he calling Jesus Israel? Jesus is everything Israel was supposed to be. He is perfect Israel. God adopted the nation of Israel. And he called Abraham and he gave promises to Abraham and he said to him that the savior of the world Abraham is going to come through you through your family line and he did Jesus came and God did not abandon the Jews in the desert so they could die he gave them Moses to lead them And what a relationship Moses had with God. 
No man, no prophet ever met with God the way Moses did. And God, he would struggle with God and say, Lord, these are your people. They've done evil, Lord, but forgive them. And the Lord would relent and forgive them. And the promise came through these people. And it was God's idea to create ancient Israel and for his son to come through Israel. So he calls his son Israel, but he was a contrast to what Israel had become. Israel had become corrupt. Israel had become sinful. Israel had rejected God. And Jesus was the perfect ideal of what Israel was supposed to be. So he calls him Israel. And then he takes us here to verse 3. You are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. Remember Jesus and John saying, and I and the Father are one. Oh, and the Jews hated him for that. You're not more than 30 years old. You're not 50 years old. And you're going to tell us you saw the Father? You're going to say that you know Abraham? They're ready to kill him. Blasphemous, they said. But it was true. And he called Nathaniel that way. I saw you, Nathaniel, when you were over there under the tree. And Nathaniel was so overwhelmed. God the Father's splendor was displayed in Jesus when he was on the earth. Over and over again. And when you have seen Jesus face to face, you have seen the Father. Because it was true that Jesus is, in the flesh, the manifestation of the Godhead. When you see Jesus, you have seen the Father. Remember that Nathaniel said, Show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Don't you know me? I've been with you so long, Jesus would say to them. So on to verse 4. But I said, Jesus is saying here, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. These words mimic his feelings in the park we know as Gethsemane. On that night... His earthly mission almost came to an end. Right there. He almost didn't make it to the cross. The devil was there. Ready to crush him. He, a man. His human nature out of control. His human nature, which was not sinful. But it didn't want to die either. God didn't create a human nature to die, but to live. The thoughts of the cross were overwhelming. The devil was there saying, you don't want to die. These people aren't worth it. 
So he prayed, and drops of blood were pouring from his head. An angel came from heaven to strengthen him. He had disciples falling asleep. Watch and pray for me. And all he heard was snoring. He had another disciple who had left, and he had rebelled against Jesus, and he was leading his enemies to him to come capture him. He would betray him later with a kiss. So the Savior here speaks like this. I spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand. And my reward is with my God. And now the Lord, the God of free and faithful grace says... He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and to gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in his eyes, in the eyes of the Lord. And my God has been my strength. He says, it is too small a thing for you to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will make you a light for the Gentiles and to, and you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The Heavenly Father told His Son, you're not just there to save the tribes of Israel. You're there to be the Savior of the whole world. You are a light to the Gentile nations. He's there for you and me. He did this for you and me. He became a man for you and me. And we know he continued on to the cross. And he took on all our infirmities and all our sin and all our guilt and all our shame. He suffered the scourging. And all that was offered to him from his faithful friends was abandonment. And all that has been offered to him from us is our unfaithfulness. Yet Jesus went to the cross and he suffered and he died and he took away all of our sin and all of our guilt and all of our shame. And he says to us, friends, you are forgiven. You have a Savior who loves you. You have a Savior who treasures you. His blood shed for you upon the cross has washed you clean. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you look like or what language you speak. Jesus treasures you. Jesus forgives you. You are precious to him. He would not have you dwell on how you broke his heart or how you disappointed him because he's wiped it all away. And the devil will come at night and he will will speak in your ear and he'll say, you broke his heart. You disappointed him. Look at that sin you fall backwards in and you do it again and you do it again. You really struggle. How is the Savior's love applying to you? But Jesus says, that devil is a liar. He's a murderer. And he's the father of lies. You should not listen to him. He needs to, you tell him to go back to hell. 
Because your Savior, your friend, your brother, Jesus Christ, has saved you from your sin and your guilt and your shame. You are saved. You have a Savior who loves you. This is what the Lord says. The Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, to to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation. The people of Israel despised him. They're the ones that cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! To the servant of rulers. Kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see and bow down because the Lord who is faithful the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. He faithfully went as the chosen one, as the one redeemer of nations. And he redeemed us. We who could not help ourselves. We who needed God's mercy. He redeemed us at a very high price beyond gold and silver or money of any kind. He gave his holy, precious blood for us. He gave his own life for us. And Jesus says he loves you. And you are precious to him. Though you have many frailties, though you are often weak, he knows you better than you know yourself. You have a Savior. Don't ever forget that. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Love Letters from Jesus. I'm your host, Pastor Ted Bojanic, and I look forward to you listening again, once again. If you liked our podcast, please give us a five-star review. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor, or Google Podcasts. Look forward to having you listen to us again. Have a great week.